Hello and welcome back to another sports talk. For those of you who are particularly astute, you will have noticed that I am not Dr. Pullen. Regrettably, he will not be joining us tonight, but I will be here for the entirety of the show where we'll be discussing the boys' first team football, hopefully the girls' first team football, and in our world sports session, we'll be diving into the Premier League, the first two England versus India test matches, and the opening of the Six Nations. To start off the show, let's hear what Mr. Owen had when he spoke to me about the opening weekend. Right, so I have been joined by Mr. Owen of Rugby and Bryanston fame. So just before we get into the, the Six Nations stuff, the real business, could you just talk about your rugby background? How long have you been playing? How do you come into coaching? Stuff like that. Yeah, so um, my father first introduced me to the egg-shaped ball um, at the age of six, a sport that he grew up playing. And then my, my love from there blossomed from that age, really. Um, from that day, um, I grew up playing in Sussex, playing at uh, currently known as Worthing Raiders and Brighton Blues. Um, and in later years, more recently, I've represented my county of Sussex before continuing sort of my academic and uh, sporting path as such uh, in Leeds, at Leeds Beckett University, uh, where I've played rugby there. In more recent years, uh, following a teaching stint in Birmingham, I played at Mosley Rugby Club, and then since my arrival in August at Bryanston School, where I currently teach PE as well, um, I have represented, uh, played for rather Wimborne um, on a few occasions when I can around my school commitments. Yeah, so as you can you can all tell, Mr. Owen's quite experienced in, in the old rugby game but uh, what have been your impressions of Bryanston rugby are we good to get a, a, a good proper coach on yeah I think uh, for me coming in um, off the back of my teacher training year and completing my PGC it's really refreshing to uh, join the school and the rugby program on the back of Nick Williams appointment obviously um, the name itself does all the talking with such a you know prolific profile like his and the rugby background he possesses as well as alongside people like uh, Sam Elric and Owen Morris, it's really exciting to be part of a, a young, um, motivated um, and determined coaching group. I think the, the D boys that have come in have brought this new buzz and a real positive culture to get better. And I think in terms of a long-term plan and where rugby's going, uh, I do believe we have the potential to be one of the independent school powerhouses, especially over the next decade. Yeah, so you, you did, I think if we move on to the Six Nations, but sort of keeping it related to you, you did very modestly not mention that you've played with Marcus Smith. Um, <laughs> he obviously wasn't playing in Rome on Saturday. Do you think England missed him? Um, as one who's played with him firsthand, what's a kind of, how much of a game changer is he? Yeah, I think you know, the last time I played with Marcus was at under 16 level when we both played, played club rugby together. And I think just the way in which he, you know, he's his career and his, his rugby has developed, especially up to this point. I think it's a real shame that we're currently not seeing him in the squad due to an injury that he picked up, um, I think, early on during their uh, camp prior to the Italy fixture of the weekend. I think what he brings is very untraditional uh, in an English side, and I think that's potentially why... He, he may not have started certain games in the World Cup. You know, when we saw him in the 15 jersey, I think it was almost, you know, not a discredit to him. But we, we, didn't, we weren't allowed to see him at his best. You know, he, he still had phenomenal moments, still impacted some of the pool stage games phenomenally. But I think where we really see him make 
an impact on the international stage and you know carving up through some of the world's best, including those sides in the Six Nations, is with him in the 10 jersey for the Red Roses. I think it's something we saw on uh, in the other Saturday fixture, Wales versus Scotland, where looked a lot better when they were playing Jouet rugby, sort of your All Blacks, your French studies. Is that something that England could adopt? They've got, I think Freeman and Dingwall look very good in the early catch. You've got Van Portfleet to come in. You've got a good selection of nines and tens. And I know even you're a fan of the Northampton Saints, Finsmith. Yeah, uh, the other Smith. I think it's interesting. Ball through it. It's quite refreshing to see, you know, the, the new cycle of English talent who've been impressive in the Gallian Premiership, which Borthwick and the coaching staff have included in the squad. However, I do think based on you know, some of the substitutions that were made uh, and squad selection that there's still potentially some, I don't know if it's trust or there's uncertainty amongst what England look like now. I think we have to focus on the next World Cup and I think the Six Nations, rather than where we finish on the podium in this competition, I think it's about, you know, stepping stones towards that next World Cup in 2027. Um, I do think... You know, in reflection, it's baby steps for a new look England. I was initially quite, you know, as a as a passionate England fan, I was quite um, annoyed about the result. But then, you know, annoyance of that result is is relatively harsh on the Italians. You know, the, the way they developed their rugby and the results they've got, uh, building up to the recent World Cup, uh, especially over the last few years. That they're not an easy time a team to blow past, and I think with a, a new English side, which many individuals and combinations haven't played together, you, you've got to take every win possible, and ultimately that's all the Six Nations is. You know, over the five-game period spread across the next two months, ultimately the wins what matters, uh, and England did manage to do that. So credit to those boys; they they were down at half time, and they managed to you know come back from the deficit um, and come come out winners at the right end of the scoreline so I, I think it would be unfair not to look say that's opt optimism for Italy they've got a very good young team got a new head coach young captain this is the what the 2027 World Cup in three and a half years time that's the kind of competition where you'd say they could probably be looking at the first knockout stages yeah I, I think unfortunately for the Italians if you historically if you look back back at uh, if you look at 2019, 2015 and 2011, they seem to always be paired up with two, two of their top three teams heading into the World Cup. And obviously this time round it was France and New Zealand and the disparity in that group was just ridiculous. I mean, the Italians, uh, once they got to that New Zealand fixture and there was, I think there was a century plus put on them that really showed the gap between some of the, you know, tier one teams. But I do think, as you said, you look at the age, you look at the experience and the caps of those internationals on the Italian side, I think there is real potential there for them to close it and sort of, you know, close the mouths of the pundits that have been disregarding them for years. Um, on that, I do also think there's room for reshuffle. Uh, I would love to see a Georgia, um, the, the Georgia rumour of them coming in to the system. So maybe a tier one, tier two, six nations platform could be great for the game. I think the only thing that's stopping that is potentially the quality of rugby that is currently played in those other countries, club rugby, a lot of those international players in, in Portugal, Germany, Spain, Russia, a lot of them are in other areas, in, are in other places you know, in Europe, mainly predominantly France, England and Ireland, uh, where the largest clubs 
um, are currently playing. Yeah, I think we were also seeing that with Japan and to a lesser extent Wales, who from the first half, they even as a Wales fan, I'll say they look like a tier two nation with so many players going overseas, such a, a young team. They really lacked a, a spine of a 10, a 15 and some experience in the pack. What were your observations of the game? Obviously, there was a huge momentum swing just after half-time. I think I was very excited by the Scottish side and I think that was um, sort of what caught my eye and I thought that was an instant threat. However, I, I think the reappointment of Gatland is one of those. Sometimes that recycle and re-employing a coach who's had a, a stint previously doesn't always have the same effect. However, I think Gatland's coming with a fresh mind. He knows what Welsh rugby is about. Um, you know, and what the, what the fans like to see and also what's going to benefit the players. So I think bringing those young guys throughout the World Cup and exposing them, I think their success looked very differently to perhaps what other Six Nations sides did. Um, and, you know, after a dominant first-half surge from the Scottish, um, I think we actually saw a young, inexperienced Welsh side in quite, well, quite a lot of disarray but the second half performance was something for other nations to probably be cautious of over the tournament I think what it did show is you know being led by Gaffer Jenkins um, the young chap is 20 years old who's also captain of Exeter at the moment who burst on the scene from Exeter University you know they've got the ability or whether it be their ability or determination to actually play for their country and I think that can be really dangerous especially against an England where we know we go into these, you know, the Calcutta Cup fixture with Scotland, the English Welsh derby, and we, we, we have this expectation as English people, oh, we've got to be brilliant, but I don't think we've been there for a long time. We've won, we've won some grudge matches, but I do think, you know, for a team to come back from 20-0 down initially at half-time and Scotland only win the game 27-26, I think that's a hell of a result uh, and two bonus points in there. Um, and I, I initially, prior to the game, I thought it was going to be a flashing. So I think there's far more positives to take from it than what we were initially expected. Yeah, I think having a, an experienced coach such as Warren Gatlin with such a young team, that's he's really going to help them progress quickly as we did in 2011 in his, in his first World Cup cycle. And I think Scotland will be a bit disappointed they couldn't fully capitalise, get five points and stick 40 points on Wales. However... Um, they're definitely going to be delighted winning in Cardiff. They've not done that in so many years. And also, they're a very experienced team, sort of like Ireland. They've got a very similar core to the World Cup, only three or four um, smaller changes to the starting 15. Do you like what you saw with Ireland? Obviously, they, they ran through France. I, you know, I called it. I actually had a bit of a wager with um, our new director of sport, Mr. McCann, and I, and I said they would lose to the Kiwis, in which they did. Ireland cannot get past a quarter final at a World Cup for whatever reason. Yeah. The World Cup just gone was that was their time, and I think a lot of people were, you know, you know, bet, almost betting upon Ireland France to be the final. However, Crowley coming in, I thought he it was almost a straight swap. I thought mm. he managed the game exceptionally well. He had one little slip at a penalty, second penalty, um, which went right um, of the upright. But I think he almost fitted in as if Sexton hadn't been had been gone a long time. Yeah. I think so many of them play club rugby together. It's almost a natural transition for the Irish in comparison to almost any other um, international side. And you know, I do also believe though, thirty-eight seventeen scoreline in Ireland's favour was dictated by an ill-disciplined France as well. I thought the red, the red card to Villamese, the second row, it, it, it's one of those where actually 
he had that yellow and obviously with the, now, the new rule, if they're uncertain on the actual outcome of the decision, it goes to review, the player goes off and then at the end of that 10 minutes, the decision we've made, and I've had conversations with members of staff in the common room and I think that he's almost in this, this blank mindset as he sits on the side of the pitch, he doesn't know where his fate lies for the rest of the game and when it's been reviewed as a yellow and he's back on, he's almost in, you know, he's blocked out the sound and a lot of rugby is instinct, you know, that, that, that guy was 130 odd kegs and he's got to react to what's in front of him and unfortunately he got sent off. And I do also wonder whether part of their, they weren't, the thing is we've seen such a strong France side for a few years now um, and we saw elements of their flair and what they're capable of doing in attack and in defence, dominating in certain territory, you know, Peno had moments where he flourished, but I do almost wonder whether it reflected France's reliance on Antoine Dupont. Um, what he's able to do both sides of the ball as a leader, as a captain, and influence play off nothing, he, he, I haven't seen for a long, long time. I mean, you talk about the dominance in certain positions of players like Richie McCaw, Jonah Alomu, I almost wonder if he, he is that next breed of that. Um, but time will tell. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, for France, Luku, who's now their number one choice in his absence, he hasn't been exposed to many minutes whilst the Pont's been fit and ready to play. But we will see. Um, Scotland, France, a very interesting matchup to follow this weekend. Yeah, I think a team like Ireland, they're built, they've got so much quality around Sexton, and he was at the age where he, they were able to build experience around him, they could take reliance off him and attack. Actually, having Jack Crowley come in. Just with the pure number of caps around him, especially with Gibson Park, Aki, Ringrose Henshaw, they can take their attack to the next level, but missing Dupont and then also Untermax out for this championship, uh, I don't think that France are in any way going to be able to rep- replicate their attack. And also Dupont's their captain, great defender. He's got probably the best, he's the best kicking nine in the world. It's so, the way he tracks the play. I think he yeah. creates so many opportunities. Adam. He's such a high-scoring scrum half as well because he runs that cheat line where he's played the pass and he, he goes in behind the defence, preempting the break, and that just puts him in positions. You know, he is working harder, but it's it's working smart as well. Um, yeah, as I said, I think his absence will will not only be a test to the French, but it will really show us what he contributes to that side and that current side. Uh, because they still have all their, you know, the majority of their other big names. Yeah, so, I mean, even as a young man myself, just watching DuPont around that line, that's the sort of thing that you've got to re- replicate in matches. And just one last thing, Mr. Owen, what are your predictions for the rest of the championship? We've got Wales, England, Scotland, France. I don't think I'm going to ask for your prediction on Ireland, Italy, because... Well, who knows? Italy upset the Welsh, and I know you're, you know, <laughs> you're a fellow Welshman, uh, Mr. Fraser, but... Um... After the results of the weekend, I don't know where they sit. I mean, in regard to this weekend coming, I'm going to go rogue here. Mm. I think... Are Scotland playing at Murrayfield? Uh, I think so. Scotland at Murrayfield are going to turn over France. Okay. Yeah. England are going to beat Wales. Okay. And Ireland are going to put 50-plus on Italy, with Italy scoring no more than 10 points. Final rankings, uh, drop my one to six. Uh, I think before the championship in that episode with Dr. Pullen, I said that Ireland and Scotland were going to be one and two. Is that, do you, would you agree with that? If you're, if you're saying they're going to turn over France and Murray. So you're going to let the corns and the sweaties at one and two. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm okay. going to go Ireland, 
I don't think Ireland grand slam it. I think Ireland, agree, Ireland if they're going to lose, they're going to lose to England. Yeah, I can see that. I think Ireland yeah. or France are going to slip up on England. Ireland are at Twickenham as well. So I'm going to go Ireland, Scotland, France, England, Wales, Italy. Final thank thank you for putting Wales above Italy. Right, um, thank you so much, Mr. Owen. Hopefully we'll get you on towards the end of the championship and we'll see how those predictions thank pan out. Thank you very out. much. Right, so we're back live and I'm joined by Joel and Spencer of the Bryson First Eleven. Uh, before you came on last time, I think you were just about to play Sherburn. Yep. And then you had Bishop's after that. Just you want to summarise those games? I think, Spencer, you got on the score sheet a couple of times. Yeah, so against Sherbourne, we won 5-4. Um, started off scoring Ahmed. Ahmed scored the first one. Uh, and then, was it Birdie? Birdie scored a banging free Birdie, kick. Birdie, banging free kick. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Cool. Yeah, that was Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I scored a hat-trick. Um, but, yeah, overall, like, we played really well. That's probably the best we've ever played. Um, but in the air, the other team were just, Sherwin were just destroying us. Yeah, they're massive. They're massive, yeah. like, six-foot players, probably all the, like, six, seven of them in their team. So, during corners, <laughs> we did struggle. Yeah. But we managed to pull through in the end, 5-4, can't complain. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, it was a good win. Spencer, I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit for scoring a hat trick <laughs> against Sherbert. Yeah, no. How how good was he? Because that's no mean feat. He was absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he had a good he had a good game. I think he yeah definitely put them away. You saw saw that bicycle kick attempt. I think we all did. We jumped in the air. Um, Swift, ac- acrobatic. Yeah. Swish it went in. Yeah, nice. he followed, got the following though. Um, I think he missed one opportunity, which he could put away. So he could have got four. Yeah. So these top athletes, they do look at their game afterwards. But <laughs> I think, yeah, all in all, a great debut from the young man. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. No. Nah, yeah. I thought I played well. Um, but look, try and play well every game. Like three goals, like you said, could have scored four. She got. Yeah, and then six six one against bishops. That's another game to boost your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I think we played. Weirdly, weirdly, I think we played worse against Bishops than uh, against Sherborne. But uh, I think Sherborne were a bit of a stronger side, so I think naturally we're going to ease off of it a little bit. And we were missing a few players yeah. due to illness and injury. Yeah, well, you can fall in a trap of lowering yourself down to yeah, the standards. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I've just heard you briefly talk about Leaf Academy. What sort of level are you uh, looking at? So they what, and they used of... to be all right, because they are a sports, uh, sports school, but... I think a lot of their players left to go to college and other places. So I think, I think, hope, oh, no easy games in a cup, but I reckon uh, I'm confident that we can get the win. Uh, what, what's the team news like tomorrow? Unchanged? Are there any injuries? Guys uh, coming back in? So Rahman's coming back in because he had COVID. So he missed Bishop's match. Um, who else? Who else? Henry's still injured. Joe's still injured. Lamar's playing full game today. Lamar's playing full game because yeah. he had to come off against Bishops because he had an important rugby match the next day, which is fair enough. But, um, yeah, so we've got Lamar in a full match. Uh, Rahman back. Just have no right back at the moment. So uh, hopefully we can get in Bruno, who's a hockey player, but he's a really good footballer as well. So hopefully we can persuade him to pick the better sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be good for you guys. It'd be nice to get a nice... Cup, cup run going to give you some more fixtures next half term but yep. um, moving on to the Premier League Joel you said you're a Liverpool fan yep. top of the table what, what's it Ouch. looking like you've got Man, Man City have played one less yeah. game uh, breathing down your neck yeah, but... I'm breathing down our neck I'm, I'm a bit concerned I'll be honest with Ken De Bruyne coming back from Man City I think my gut's telling me we'll win the league but my brain's telling me 
we're going to bottle it like we always do. But I think Jurgen Klopp, if there's one time to do it, it's got to be in his last season. I think he's got he's got potential. Uh, Bromo Salah come back, Shaboshlai, uh, Connor Bradley as well. Um, he's a great player. Yeah, although his dad died. No, did he? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing at that. It's just <laughs> so, so random. Yeah, well, <laughs> We've been talking about the football. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but, sorry, sorry. sorry. Like, that's obviously a bad yeah. circumstance. Yeah, all, all due respects and all yeah, that. But, obviously. Um, I, I know there's been lots of... Um, Lots of uh, upset in Liverpool um, that Jurgen Klopp's leaving. It's like he's he's died as well. Um, what 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 what's he meant for the club? <laughs> I mean, I I personally think it's like obviously it's going to be a massive loss for them. But again, it's 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 going to happen eventually. Like Klopp can't live on at, at Liverpool forever. So I think I think. You do need you do need a Premier League title under yeah, your belt. Yeah, hopefully Shabby Alonso can come in afterwards as well from Leverkusen. Mm. Um, yeah, great he's, gaffer. He's a young guy. He's got yeah. a lot to give. Played for uh, Liverpool as well. Played for Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern. He's been under some of the great managers: Pep Guardiola, Carlo Ancelotti, Jose Mourinho. Well, I don't like to say that. <laughs> no. Yeah, Hugh, what's your thoughts on Jose Mourinho? Do you think he should come back to Chelsea? Or? Um, well, I to be honest, I'm not fully kept up on the football, although I do know that Chelsea are struggling yeah. to Spencer's delight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Jose, Jose Mourinho is just a, a household name in football. I, I'll yeah. give you that one for free. So um, just having him back in the league would be great. But Spencer, do you think that even someone like Jose Mourinho could fix Chelsea? Um, I think, obviously, it's Chelsea. So there, uh, there is talent in, in Chelsea, but it's just finding the right guy to pursue that talent. Because, like... I don't know. I ju- I just don't think Jose Mourinho is the guy because like I think he's more sit back. Ca- oh, to be fair, Chelsea could be a good counter attack team. It's just um, they've got a few good players like Mudrick yeah. and Sterling that would be good. Palmer yeah. would be good as counter attack players, but uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe Jose yeah, Mourinho would work. They've got a bang uh, a squad of eleven bang average players, and they got them an eight. Eight-year contracts, mm. with massive, massive salaries. Yeah. you give those sort of people that sort of you need a bit of experience. Yeah, when you put that security, like not having a one or two-year deals for these young players, we yeah. think, oh, I could just sit back, have a nice time. I'm going to go yeah. holiday in the summer. I'm going to yeah, hundred percent. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think now they're starting to feel the wrath. Yeah, hundred percent. And having, them. yeah, having young players like all young players, it's good for the future. But yeah. you can't like Palmer if you stick him in. I don't know, a squad like Liverpool, where he has experienced players around him, like Val- Virgil van Dijk, yeah. and I just d- don't see Chelsea having that yeah. experience around him. Like Spurs still have Son, still have... Um, Who else they got there? What for experience? Yeah. Um, they've got Vicario, he's 27. I lose mean, new into the yeah. squad. Yeah, Vicario's a good leader. He just bring a lot of leadership quality. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean Chelsea. Chelsea are currently two 0 up against Aston Villa. It, really? For those following the game, Gallagher and Jackson have scored in the first <laughs> half. So um, there might be hope for them, but there might not. Uh, do you guys have any more, any further thoughts on the Premier League football in general? Uh, I think, I mean, I'm going to be biased as a Spurs fan, but I think, I think Spurs are, uh, I think Ange is doing a good thing in looking for the future. We've just signed an 18 year old Swedish international so obviously I think he will 
in the future come good hopefully i mean he was linked to barcelona but he uh chose spurs over barcelona maybe through help from kulizeski another mm. swedish player but yeah. uh but yeah i think and just looking for the future and with all of our players coming back from afcon and uh asia cup i reckon i reckon yeah. we can pull through right nice. okay yeah. Rob, one last thing who's winning the premier league yeah, i know it's only february but you you got to give me a name and we'll see how you are in June or whenever the title's given out. Fulham. Fulham. I do think Liverpool, I think you had a blip the other day, but I think I think Liverpool. Yeah, I do think we'll pull through. Yeah, Liverpool I, will I, just hope, oh, I just hope Arsenal, I Arsenal would. Any Man City win. fan in the school is just plastic right now. Unless you're from Manchester. I mean, don't support a team like that. That's just come around the last 10 years. Sort yourself out. Get Chelsea as well. Yeah. The amount of Chelsea fans I've spoken to. Oh, have you ever been to a game? No. No. Like, Who's the manager? Don't no, know. I don't know. I only know John Terry, mate. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Yeah. But, right. Cheers, yeah. boys. Thank you right. so much. Thanks we're going to have a Cheers bit you. of Supergrass now, and then we'll be moving on to Supergrass. a bit of cricket.
and we are back live and I am joined by my younger brother, Tom. Um, cricket badger, leg spinner, right-handed batsman, great face for radio. Are you excited to be on Bry Radio for the first time? Absolutely, Hugh. It's all I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> Come on, Tom, let's at least be a bit serious. So, um, as I said, cricket badger, you also you like a bit of rugby as well. And if we start with the first India versus England test match. What what were your original thoughts? Did India throw it away? Letting Yeah, letting a team like England beat you after such an awful first innings is surely they're gonna be a bit disappointed. Yeah, I was expecting India to win by quite a big margin, but I think England got in their heads with all the baseball talk and India threw it away. Yeah, I mean, it's very important not to ignore the quality of Oli Pogue getting 200 and um, Tom Hartley picking up seven wickets. Firstly, just on Oli Pope, how impressive was that innings for a man who struggled against spin facing Ashwin and Jadeja? What were your thoughts on that? He just looked so much more confident. He was willing to get the sweep out and he didn't, he didn't want to get out just poking at the ball. He actively looked to score. So good intent from him and a great innings. Yeah, well, that that is the basketball way. And Tom Hartley's looked like quite the accomplished batter, as long as getting, I think, 15, 15 wickets so far in the series. Could he be the, the long-term option? He's a good five years younger than Jack Leach. He's not quite been there in Test cricket, but on these helpful Indian pitches and with the bat in hand, he, he's looked like he could do a good part for England. Well, firstly, I think it's an outrageous selection call from Stokes just to pick him based on his height, but... He's bowled very well after a shaky start and he looks like he could be a genuine all-rounder in the future. Yeah, and with um, with Stokes not being able to bowl, it looks like in the future that's going to be limited. Joe Roots picked up, a, I think it's a finger injury, so yeah. his action might be limited for the rest of the series. Stokes, we're probably looking at the next two or three years. Do we need to find a proper all-rounder, be that Sam Curran, Chris Wokes or even Tom Hartley? Yeah, there's definitely... The batting lineup definitely looks a bit weaker when Stokes can't bowl and they have to play an extra bowler to replace him. So I think we could definitely do with someone who's tried and tested in the county championship. Mm, but I think in looking at five years' time, once Rayan Ahmed has really embedded himself into English cricket, maybe play some franchise leagues around the world, do you think that he's going to be England's option at either seven or eight, maybe below the recognised batsman, but he could, maybe in even ten years' time, if he's still around, could he step up the order and actually be a player who's a threat to be scoring dangerous hundreds week in, week out? Yeah, he he could become a genuinely very good batsman. He looked quite comfortable and confident going out as the night watchman, and it could end up being a bit like Steve Smith starting as a leg spinner, moving up the order to become a batsman. Yeah, I, that's that's quite a good comparison, actually. A bit bit quirky, bit interesting, but we'll see what um, what Reinhardt can deliver in the future. But moving on to the India side, they were without Kohli, KL Rahul and um, Jadeja. Should England be worried that they were turned over by a, an India team who really only had two recognised batsmen? Well, I think that without the performance of Jaiswell, the match looks a lot more interesting. So it's just come down to individual performance and obviously a very, very good knock from the young opener. 
Yeah, I think England as a side have been more... Um, everyone's been chipping in. Suddenly in the last test, it was a lot of people getting 50s, uh, or every, pretty much everyone was getting starts. But um, for India, it's been... For first innings, Jice will... Um, doubled up and uh, get second inning skill scored 100 so I think if England can work out a way to get those those two early wickets that's pretty much going to be the key for the rest of the series yeah but it is important for the batsmen once they get set to go on and make those big scores very impressed by Jai Swell after he got to 100 he just kept going and obviously ended up with a massive score in the end yeah that's the Alistair Cook mentality is get get the daddy 100 once you scored your 100 what's the next goal get to 120 Keep keep it ticking over, ticking over. But um, yeah, that's something that England definitely are gonna need to do. Zach Crawley hit two seventies. Ben Duckett's consistently flying off with all his reverse sweeps, sweeps as he said before the series. That's the new forward defensive. So that there, that's probably gonna be key for England in the next Test match in eight days' time. Jasprit Bumrah might be rested for the next Test. Is that giving England? pretty much a free opportunity a giving or just a chance really because he's been outrageous yeah I think there'll be a sigh of relief from all of the English batsmen if Bumrah is rested it's just so good using the reverse swing he's just unplayable at times yeah I mean it's so true would you say that his white ball skills it um having played in the IPL He's opened the bowling and bowled the death in the um, for India in the World Cup, other bilateral series, and of course in the IPL. He's been one of the most dangerous threats. Would you say that helps and it puts him above people like Mark Wood and Jimmy Anderson, who don't quite have the the same variation and experience on Indian pitches? But Jimmy Anderson, as good as he is with the reverse swing, he just doesn't quite have the mastery of all the other techniques. He's not got the Yorker, the bouncer, all the cutters that Jasper Bumrah has. Yeah, I think playing all three formats is really helpful for the skills of a bowler, like the accuracy, the the Yorkers and the bouncers. They come into play a lot more in the shorter formats, but they can be really dangerous in test matches as well. Yeah, so many of Jasper Burma's uh Burma's wickets are um balls that are going on to hit the stumps. He gets lots of bold and LBWs and then it it's nicks up it nicks into the slits because batsmen are forced to play because they just don't know what the ball's going to do. It, it could come in off the line of off stump and hit middle or it could go out towards the first slip. But um, just before we move on to the Six Nations, and obviously you heard uh, Mr Owen's very, uh, very good interview at the start of the show. Who's winning the series? And Tom, please don't give me a 2-2 because, as you'll remember, draws are for the week and it's not going to rain in India. So um, what are we looking at? Are we looking at... 4-1 to England or 3-2 to either either uh, side? I'm going to call 3-2 to India. I think they've looked the better side so far. I think they've won more sessions, but I think it's going to be a close series. Yeah, well, m- momentum in Test Match cricket is certainly the most important, um, important aspect. You've got to win the sessions, but you've got to capitalise because, as we've seen countless times in the past with Basball, all it takes is one Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow session and suddenly you're 200 runs down to England and they've got several batsmen in the hut and uh, day four and five pitch to bowl you out on with the young spinners. But actually, just quickly, I'll ask you, what do you think of these young spinners? You've said about Tom Hartley. Do you like the variation? We've got leg spin, off spin and a tall left armour. Is that the kind of thing we're looking at? 
I'm very impressed with Ray and Ahmed. It's not an easy thing to do bowling wrist spin in test matches because you have to you have to be so consistent with the line and length and it's just harder to put it there than with finger spin. And then I thought Bashir's looked good as well. Just he's got the height like Hartley. He's getting some good turn and some good bounce. So there's always an edge coming into play. Yeah, young spinners is the kind of thing that England cricket needs because they did spend quite a few years, pretty much from 2018 and um, when India when in England and they were playing Adil Rashid and Moen Ali. After that and sort of from the 2019 Ashes especially, it's been a search going through Jack Leach, Don Bess and many others. You can probably throw Liam Dawson and Mason Crane just into the search to find someone who's going to commit to being England's number one test spinner. So that's definitely a good thing. Right then. Six Nations, um, Wales versus Scotland. We're both Wales fans. What on earth was going on? <laughs> just looked like two completely different Wales sides. It's just a lot more energy in the second half. I think Thomas Williams coming on really injected some pace into the attack. Yeah, it's, it's the running rugby. It's stepping away from uh, Warren Ball, which I guess is sort of like Baz Ball, but... Maybe it's less explosive. It sort of sends you a big 12 up the middle. So whether that Nick Tompkins, Aaron Wainwright coming from the tail of a line out, someone like that. Um, a Wales just going to chuck it around. They've got Owen Lloyd at 10 because Sam Costello's out with an injury. Thomas Williams is starting. Are we going to have some Jouet Jouet rugby? I think we might. I think Wales seem to be turning into the French side from a few years ago. Oh God. Where you're not quite sure which side's going to turn up. But when they turn up, there's some outrageous rugby, and it's great to watch. Yeah, well, you can just see from the back selection, we've got Kai Evans and Yoan Lloyd as um, the tents. Kai Evans, the guy on the bench, he mostly plays 15 at club. Yoan Lloyd has been capped on the right wing and at fullback. Um, so I don't think this is going to be a tactical masterclass from Wales. I think that it, we're going to have quite a culture clash between um, Wales and England on the weekend. Um just continuing to concentrate on Wales, they're the only team uh, that who have selected. Well, the, yeah, they've got they've announced their team for the weekend. Um, are they missing Jack Morgan because um, he's providing leadership as good as Daffith Jenkins is? He's still extremely young, and even though Morgan's young as well, having him and Tommy Raphael in the back row will just be turning over England all day, giving them some real difficulties and just keeping them on the back foot. There are still plenty of back row options, and I was quite impressed by Daffy Jenkins last week, but Jack Morgan was probably Wales' best player at the World Cup last year, so I think it would help to have him, but there are still plenty of good options in people like Tommy Raphael, who are great options to steal the ball in the in the breakdown. Yeah, he, he, yeah and uh, even at the line-out, Raphael and Wainwright can get up, and when you've got four... Four jumping threats. Not only will that make it difficult for Mario Toje and his his cohort to steal the ball, but maybe Wales will be able to get some picks at the line-out. Um, Scotland-France at Murrayfield. It'll be a huge atmosphere on Saturday night. Do you see Scotland potentially turning over the French? Yeah, it could definitely happen. I think the French are going to target Finn Russell again because he seems to be the stem of all the all the good rugby played by the Scots. He's so good at setting the backs outside him free and he just creates so much. Yeah, it's sort of what Antoine Dupont and Untermach have been doing for France for the last 
four or five years, but they're really missed, they've really missed them against Ireland, as me and Mr. Owen discussed, and I think they're going to continue to miss them for the rest of the Six Nations. So, uh, Tom, finally, can you give me your table one to six? And I'll just give you a bit of a prompt like I did give to Mr. Owen. Will Ireland-Scotland on the last weekend, 4.45, I think in Dublin, is that going to be the Grand Slam decider? I think it very well could be. But Scotland definitely need to tighten up because... In the second half against Wales, they probably shouldn't have let so many points pass them. They need to sort out their discipline. Yeah, so I think, are you going a Ireland-Scotland 1-2? Who have yeah. you got a 3 uh, and 4? France 3. Between England and Wales. Or are you going to say it's, it's based on I think based as, on this weekend's result? Yeah, I think as a Wales fan, I want to say Wales at 4. But what does your brain say? But I think England... Okay. Yeah, that that is going to be a, a real culture clash and then um, Italy on the weekend. Retaining the wooden spoon. Yeah. Well, um, Italy is this the World Cup cycle for them to finally pick up maybe two wins in the Six Nations or at least consistently start getting one? And when we get to Australia in twenty twenty seven, is there a chance for them to get out the groups for the first time? They've got plenty of exciting young talent, and they look like they're playing some really good rugby. In the first half against England, they were. They were really good, uh, but they just need to keep going, keep the tempo up for the whole game. They just, they don't seem to be used to winning. They just need to get used to that and how to close out a game. Right, and regrettably, on that note, we are going to bring our show to a close. Thank you to all our fantastic pundits for coming. I know we missed a few due to illness, but. Um, yeah, I would like to say my appreciation to them and also you for listening. Please, everyone, join us again in three weeks where um, we'll be joined by former professional cricketer and Bryanson Head of Sport, Mr McCann, as well as your usual host, Dr Pullen. But in the meantime, make sure you keep watching, playing and most importantly, talking sport. Sports.